James chapter 1, verse 1 reads, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work. What kind of work? What kind of work? Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I won't take long, but I'd like to at least have 12 minutes minutes from the committee this morning. Uh, why we count it all joy. Why we count it all joy. Uh, since you're standing, you might as well look at somebody next to you and say, neighbor, why we count it all joy. Would you look at somebody? Go ahead and look at them and say, why we count it all joy. Uh, before you're seated, why don't you turn around and find somebody and say, neighbor, I'm counting it all joy. I'm counting it all joy. I don't see nobody in the back talking to nobody but I believe if you do this something will happen between now and the end of the service come on look at somebody and say I'm counting it all joy amen amen and amen please be seated in the presence of the Lord I want to take a few moments just to encourage you on this Sunday morning about the word or from the word of the Lord counting it all joy on this morning um Thank you, thank you, thank you, Sister Felicia Gaston and her phenomenal team of recognizing these members, recognizing those who have present, past, and then those today, to, again, to those who have received this morning, these recipients, God bless you all, and thank you for making the City Church the church that it is on today. To all of you all today, God bless you, and thank you for participating in this great and phenomenal event. I do want to share one last acknowledgement on this morning. I want to thank God for these three young ladies, uh, Sister Jada Sheard, my daughter Charisma Stevens, and then I believe Madison Dover is assisting also as well. The young adults, youth ministry, they put together some care packages, and I believe they are called, and forgive me, I don't have all of the actual wording in front of me, but I believe that they are outreach bags, outreach bags, and we're going to encourage every member today to take one outreach bag home with them and give it away to someone that might have need. The holiday seasons are always a very critical and crucial time for many people. You will pass three, four, five people on a street corner between here and your house. Somebody on the job, somebody in the neighborhood, somebody randomly just putting in their hand a outreach love bag. That bag is consisting and comprising of just some, some essential items that could be a blessing to them. And if they don't feel like they need them, pass it on. But I want to acknowledge these youth and young adults for having a heart of compassion, having a heart not to forget the, those who are least among us. One more time, clap your hands for those three young ladies. And I appreciate the love that they've given for and on the behalf of uh, the city church. Someone say, count it all joy. 
What a year it's been here at the City Church. What a season in particular it has been at the church. As we bring closure to 2022, we look back at all of the ups and downs of this year, the positives, the negatives, all of the things we've had to contend with and deal with, there's been tremendous victories. And if the truth be told, there's been some defeats, yes. But yet in all things, we are found or we are, are, are instructed in the Bible to somehow find a way to count it all joy. That being said, we, we're still trying to bring closure to this COVID-19 still. We're trying to get back to what is considered a new normal. Truth be told, we're, we're, we, we've gone through a, 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 a mania of midterm elections, and then we deal with the unprecedented, unseasonable, I don't know, I, I, I can't remember a, a unpredictable weather pattern that we've seen this year. We've had, earth, we've had earthquakes and hurricanes, and it's been extra hot and now extra cold, and I mean, listen, if you're not alert to the seasons we're living in, right, these are very interesting times. And then you have to continually deal with the unfortunate, ongoing issues of our community. I'm in Orlando getting news break reports about the recent shootings at the North Lake Mall. I've, I've visit that mall on a regular basis because our new church location is less than half a mile from the mall. So we've already set up meetings with the mall management. We've looked at opportunities with, with collaboration efforts in the mall. And so that is now near and dear to us. And if you thought that the city church back in the university area had some type of in-reach or outreach or influence or impact, You've seen nothing yet. We have to have a ready response action team when crisis hits. We can't wait three and four and five weeks, if not months, to say, what can the church do? We've got to strike the iron while it's hot and say, enough is, uh, is enough. And we're not just here to preach and teach. Because the world wants to know, church, we're tired of the lingo and the talk. Talk is cheap. What? can the church do? I'll tell you what the church can do. We can do here what we did at Eastland Mall 15 years ago when crime was running rampant. We can talk to the youth. We can sit with the youth. We can take some grown black men and help them mentor young black men and say enough is enough. Here's how you walk and act in the mall. Pull up your pants. We don't want to see your underwear. Here's how you conduct yourself as young men. Here's what we can do. We can have mentoring with these young ladies. We can have times of embracing. We can help with volunteers. We can help curve and talk about ideas and vision and dreams. We've got some of the sharpest people in different trades, different skill sets, different dreams. And if the old folk would quit being so scared to live, the young people wouldn't be so scared to die. And these things being said, we can make a difference. We've done it before. We can do it again. These things being said, we look back at this year and 
begin to look at what next year holds for the church. You know, in our personal lives, we've learned to press through, or press on through life's many disappointments, delusions, and distractions. And again, we're focusing on the plans and the purposes God has for us. Somehow you got to find a way to count it all joy. I was struggling whether I wanted to continue this preach message this morning or not. Because right now it's hard to talk about joy when your heart feels half broken. But the truth saints know how to dig deep inside and realize joy is not just a feeling as much as it is an action. And I want to talk to you this morning about what real joy is. What is the difference between joy and happiness? How do you find joy when you have to sing in a strange land? How do you reap and, and conjure up a, a joy as an emotion or as a reality when it seems like everything around you speaks the opposite? I'm talking to somebody in the room. We look forward and we look toward to a new chapter for the church, a new era, a new reality, a new location, a new building. And in a couple of weeks, this chapter will have closed for the Huntersville area. And I want to thank you for acknowledging the 28 years and seven of those years were right here in Huntersville. But I believe it's the will of God that you never stop and plateau and sing some woe is me song. But you find a way to pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and you learn to repurpose, revive, restore and move on with what God has for you. As long as we're breathing and as long as God delays is coming, I believe there's a purpose and a plan and God's perfect will for the city church. I'm excited about these next steps. Next Sunday is Christmas Sunday. Next Sunday, it's Christmas Sunday. I've already been alerted that some of you all are traveling. And you know what? God bless you in your travels. God protect you in your travel. Enjoy your family, friends, and loved ones while you can. Love them. Hug them. Minister to them. Because tomorrow's not promised. Tell them you love them. Look them in their eyes and forgive them. Forbear, forgive, love one another. Get over the stupid stuff and the craziness and get back to what true family and friendship is about. Because tomorrow is not promised. Do you understand? But for everybody else who's not traveling, we're going to be right here next Sunday morning. And we're going to have a wonderful Christmas service. It will be our last Sunday service here in this location. Our watch night service will be in North Lake at our new facilities. And we're excited about that reality. I have consulted with our, 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 our team, our strategy team, our relocation team. I've even went to several of you one-on-one -on -one and said, listen, we've got, some options to, we've got some options before us. And every one of you all have said, Pastor, we don't mind the construction zone. We don't mind the part in the mess zone. We'd rather save some money, be good stewards over the money, and we can put up the fact that it's temporarily construction zones and here and there if it means revival and if it means being good stewards. So uh, y'all are spread out now, but 
Y'all, we spread out in two weeks. I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now. Now, some of y'all can come fashionably late if you want to. You may, it may, you, mm, you may not have no seat. I can tell. Look, I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell you right now. You can laugh and think I'm playing. You may not have no seat. All right. But here's what I see. I see a room jam packed, and you talking about a Shekinah glory cloud. You talking about an anointing so thick in the room. I feel the Holy Ghost meeting us in most powerful ways. And that being said, we've had some very intense and long meetings with a group of advisory strategy team members. And I want to thank every one of them. They have gone through a gauntlet to see that the best interests of the church stay first and foremost. And so that Saturday night is watch night 2022. It'll be at that location. We're going to start early. It'll be at 7 p.m. And, uh, you know, the Bible says I was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed beg for bread. So we're not going to midnight and seeing the uh, clock turn. All right. We're going from seven to nine. And y'all can hang out at, at Denny's and y'all can go over to IHOP and y'all can go wherever y'all going to want to watch the ball fall in New York City. I'm going home going to bed. All right. Because Sunday morning is Sunday morning, January 1. We will be right back at that new location and a new era begins. A new chapter begins. A new ministry begins. And that will be the City Church North Lake. I'm excited about this reality. I'm excited about this opportunity. And I pray every one of you would sit, share and see all that the Lord has done. As we transition and as we relocate these next couple of weeks, may I remind you of the value of joy. The value of joy. If you live long enough on the earth, you will also have seasons of transition. And they can be stressful times. If you live long enough in the earth, there will be seasons of relocations. And they bring along with them anxiety. Some of us transition in our family dynamics. Some of you transition in career moves. Some of you transition in, 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 in diets and in health measures. Some of you will learn to transition in the academia. But whatever it takes, change and growth are synonymous. You cannot have one without the other. In fact, when you stop changing, you stop growing. All right? But it brings this share of anxiety, stress, and tension. And oftentimes, those things are the killers of joy. And so this morning, let me talk to you just a little bit about joy. Before we talk about joy, let's talk about the author of James. The man, and I do believe it was a man who wrote the book of James, and I'm not going to get no argument with nobody unnecessarily today. He is considered James the less. I think if I'm not mistaken, there were over five, six, maybe seven men by the name of James found in the New Testament. This James was considered James the less. He's the Lord's brother. One of the first 12 apostles or the original apostles. He's one of what we would call the three pillars of the church. In fact, he was one who was invited to the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John. Uh, this letter that we find today is written right around 62 AD. In other words, after Jesus has died, buried, rose again, somewhere in the vicinity of 62 years or so, he writes this letter. 
But the letter is written, as Mother Jesse acknowledged, from a slave. James writes, not as an apostle, not as an evangelist, not as the senior, uh, what can we call her? The, you know, the, the, the senior uh, uh, apostle, he writes as a bond servant. Why does he write as a bond servant? Because he writes this letter from a prison in Rome. You're quiet, I see. How do you write a letter about joy and you're locked up behind bars? How do you write a letter about having, finding joy and you're right now imprisoned? He writes this letter as a bond servant, as a slave. The entire purpose, hear me closely, the entire purpose of the letter was to enforce the practical duties of Christian life. The practical duties of Christian life. Uh, I, I'd encourage you to read the entire book of James sometime the next week or two. It's a beautiful chapter, a group of chapters. And when you read, it talks about how you should conduct yourself, how you should govern your mouth, how you should treat your neighbor, how you should act in public, how you should act behind closed doors. James, by the way, is really considered the senior of the group. When they fall or when they sparred one another, when they would uh, uh, fuss and fight with one another, when they would go back and forth, whether related to ecclesiology or, or theology or whatever it was, they would often look over James because he was often the one who was considered the wisest of the group of 12. So he writes this letter to give practical advice. And here he talks about joy. Uh, if, you, if you have your, uh, your, your sermon on the, app, on, on the app, you'll see here the definition of joy is simple. It comes from the word charis or kara. Joy is really has two definitions. Joy can be seen as both an adjective, but it's also seen as a verb. Let's talk about it as an adjective. Joy as a feeling. Joy is called forth by well-being, success, good fortune, gladness, and happiness. Now, uh, that's usually when we think about the word joy, we think about feeling good. Being glad about something. A sense of prosperity and success. I feel joyous today. It's a feeling. Something that comes over you. And I think for 90% of us, we understand that. And you know what? That might even be what the world understands. But as a believer, as a Christian, we go deeper. Because you all remember the song, This Joy That I Have. The world didn't give it to me. And guess what? The world can't take it away. Because as a believer, we understand James is getting to a point here. Psalm 1611 reminds us, for you will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. In your presence is the fullness of joy. Pastor, can you, can you, can you defend that? I think I can. How many times? Have you gone into God's presence, whether it was praise and worship, whether it was devotion, whether it was Bible study, whether it was just a time of meditation or contemplation, and not feel full on the inside of joy? You could be three rent payments behind. You could have to go hide your car in somebody else's garage because of the tow man truck. Uh, or you could be dealing with the fact that, my God, you got in an argument with your wife or husband and your kids are acting up. But it's something about being in the presence of God. That overrides and brings a sense of joy, contentment, happiness. In the presence of the Lord, there's the fullness of joy. You're right here in their pleasures forevermore. Please understand this morning that joy is a choice. 
You got to choose to have joy. Joy is a choice. There's a joy on you and then there's a joy in you. Let me pause for one moment. I'm about finished. I'm about finished. But let me pause for one moment. I want you to pause with me just for a moment and think, think this thing with me. Think this thing through with me. Every one of you knows somebody, somebody, every time you see them, they just seem like, it seem like they're always happy about something. Nothing moves them. Nothing phases them. I mean, the whole floor could get laid off in two weeks and they're the only ones over there whistling. You know, uh, uh, apartment community, you know, flood, uh, uh, the pipes bust, everybody's apartments is flooded, everybody out there cussing and fussing and hollering, no more cussing and no more fussing. But they're the only ones over there singing a song of Zion. Why? Something's different. People can have a joy on them, but it's a, a different thing to have joy in them. I'm trying to cross this bridge here. Get to a life to where joy is just not on me because of a check in the mail. Joy is not on me because the Panthers win against them uh, Steelers today. All right. Well, I need I, uh, is Reggie still here. Don't go nowhere, Reggie. The game don't start for a whole another hour and a half. They, they, they ain't going nowhere. They'll be right there when you get there. All right. But, the, you know, that's the joy that comes on us. And the city is different when they're full of joy. But this type of joy is reserved for the saints, for the Christian believer who said my, my heart's broken right now. Because mama passed away and I wasn't ready to say goodbye. But this joy on the inside keeps me smiling. And I'm crying, yes, but I know that my redeemer liveth. I don't like the report that I've gotten from the doctors. Always, I wish it wasn't so. And oh, somebody would throw themselves out of a window right now. But somehow or another, I'm still going to go to church and usher. I'm still going to go to church and be on the praise table. I'm still going to read the Bible because I know that my redeemer liveth. And I know this joy that I have. It doesn't come from the world. So understand that joy, joy is a choice. But then there's joys in action. And as the scriptures command, this action can be engaged regardless of how you feel. Of how you feel. I want to talk to some mature people in the room just for a few minutes. Let's quit belly aching and having our lip poked out because things don't go our way and we go into a three or four day funk. Because you know we do do it. We can get one little thing that crosses us the wrong way and go into this depression and this funk. And next thing you know, we don't want to talk. We don't want to engage. We don't want to go to church. We don't want to read our Bibles. In fact, let me take it a step further. We'll start fussing with God. We don't want to fast. We don't want to do anything that's spiritual. You know why? Because we're immature. We get to a point where we're entitled. God, I paid my tithe and offerings two weeks ago. How come this situation has happened to my car? Seem like, God, I'm living holy. I'm not fornicating and sleeping with my boyfriend and letting my boyfriend tap into me and this, this and that. How come this and that happens to me? Sometimes we try to figure out and try to reason things out. Not remembering Isaiah 55. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so who gives you and I the right to think we can bargain with God? Reason with God. I know you got a nice little bachelor's degree and okay, you got a half of a master's degree and okay, you got a third of a doctor's degree, but who gave you the right to think you can outthink God? So now we want to draw back and act as if we're at the bargaining table. Understand this. Bible says Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finish of our faith, 
who for the joy, someone say for the joy, who was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. I don't have time to continue to read Hebrews 12, but if you keep reading Hebrews 12, it will tell you that you have not resisted sin unto death. Some of us feel like we're doing God a favor by coming to church. We're doing God a favor by not sinning. We're doing God a favor by just trying to do what's right. But you have not really, really resisted unto death. But Jesus died on that cross. And he didn't have to. Could have called down legions of angels. But he chose. And not only did he do it, he did it with joy. You want to talk about maturity? You want to talk about being all God, but yet being all man in the flesh? He died on the cross, publicly, naked, the worst possible crucifixion with suffocation that a human could publicly have died. But for the joy, he endured the cross. John 15, 11, and it reads this way in the message. I have told you these things for a purpose, that your joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. It's one thing to have happy feelings, but they're the death of joy that every one of us should have during these holiday seasons. Uh, as I close, counting it all joy isn't automatic. Counting it all joy isn't easy. As true believers, we find somehow a way to keep pressing, keep praying, keep it moving. All in the midst of tests, trials, pains, and problems. This past year, for some of us, we, we, we've lost loved ones. We've lost friends. We've had setbacks. Some of us in the room, we've, we've experienced some, some major issues. But somehow, there's still this expectation from the Lord that we dig deep and we find joy. I want to close with these last three thoughts, and I'm going to get out your way on, on this morning. James writes about the purpose. I, I like to call them the wise. And I, I, I think I'd be remiss if I closed this message. And I didn't go behind the scene and give you the whys of why he writes from a prison about finding joy. Uh, number one, the various trials that come to test your faith. I don't think I got to remind nobody, but please understand again that uh, God will always allow you to go through some trials. These trials come to make you better. He allows trials to come your way. And James says, don't be surprised. And I think Peter says the same thing. Don't be surprised when these trials come your way. Somebody said, I'm being tried right now on my job. I'm being tried by a supervisor. You know, I'm being tried by a neighbor. Somebody keeps doing this and doing that. And my God, it seems like they're getting on my last nerve. Uh, don't be shocked or surprised. God is allowing these trials to test your faith. Uh, Romans 8, 18. I consider that the present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Uh, these times of suffering, we begin to read the scroll of those people who had passed. And I remember every one of them. And there are some that, 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 that to this day, even though it's been many, many, many years ago, still as emotional as it was the day I got the call that they passed. And I, woke, I look back and wonder, God, why? Why them? Why now? Looking at the church, it was a trial for the ministry, a trial for families within the church. 
Number two, they're the producing of patience. You say, God, why am I going through this trial right now in my marriage? Why am I dealing with this teenage issue with my, my teenage, excuse me, why am I dealing with this, this drama with my teenage daughter? Why are we dealing with this, uh, our adult child? He's a grown man, but yet it seems like I'm holding him heavier now than he was when he was a baby in my arms. Why? The trial. God minds us in uh, Hebrews 10, 36, for you have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. See, these trials come to test your faith. But at the same time, it comes to produce patience in you. I don't want to go too deep into some things, but these last couple of weeks, I've spent a lot of time in reflection, asking myself, what have you learned in this opportunity season that you didn't know 10 years ago? What will be the difference if the opportunity is afforded to minister to so many other pastors and, and leaders that I may have taken for granted 10 years ago. What patience will be required that maybe you felt entitled to years ago? See, understand pain has a way of teaching you lessons about the need of patience. Nobody wants to go through the classroom of pain. Nobody wants to go through the university of adversity. But the truth of the matter is, you have to continue to grow. You have to continue to increase. And it often happens through trials that produce patience. And one more thing we find, perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. I want to read this one more time. And here's how the New Living Translation says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Come on, somebody say, let it grow. For when, you endurance, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Nehemiah said it best. In chapter 8, verse 10, he said, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Second Corinthians 12, 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the Lord, Psalm 138 and 8, will perfect those things that concern me. Your mercy, O oh Lord, endure forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Your anger, Psalm 30, verse 5, is yet for a moment, but your favor is for life. Your anger is but for a moment, but your favor is to life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. As you navigate through this holiday season, and as you begin to bring closure, to 2022 and look on the horizons of the hills of 2023 may you understand as believers that we are all called to count it all joy there may be a season of layoffs but let your heart be troubled God has a plan and a purpose on the other side of that layoff a contract may not go your way but be not dismayed God has something on the other side of that deal. Somebody may walk out your life and break your heart, but don't throw in the towel. 
Because I've learned over the years, for every one or two that walks out, God's got four or five knocking on the door. You got to realize that God is yet in control. Nothing surprises him. Nothing catches him off guard. There is a purpose and a reason for every trial and tribulation. What we got to do is cut through the emotion, come out of our feelings, and find a way to count it all joy. Joy is more than an emotion. It's more than a feeling, but it is an action. I have learned to say whatever comes my way, be not dismayed, nor betide. But God will work everything in your favor. I don't care how much it hurts. I don't care how disappointing the distraction. Don't matter to me if everybody laughs. I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know that God will have my back. I know that all things will work together for the good of them that are called according to his purpose. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to clap your hands and count it all joy. Come on. Everybody stand to your feet. I want everybody to stand to your feet and count it all joy. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It doesn't matter what anybody has to say as long as God is yet on the throne. Do you understand? As long as the Lord has the last say, 